Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where shortcuts gain clarity of meaning in your game, getting from one place to another. Tonight we are sort of unexpectedly continuing my mini-series that I did about adding Fringeworthy to D&D game worlds. War on the Fringe Paths! Oh boy. It's it's uh, even though we talked about D and D and all that stuff, we are really talking about Fringeworthy. But it's a very strange Fringeworthy because it's Fringeworthy that's taking place right outside of the portals to Faerun. So yeah, Bureau Thirteen, I think, and Ida would probably have a pretty free flow of information about these other worlds that have magic. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, Ida United knows about magic. But unless you get to the point where, yeah, we've got a minor wizard and or minor cleric on the team enough to know about magic and cast stuff and maybe work magic items, they would at least have a pass that you might have to take. You might get, like, in your, what is it, six months of training at, at Alice Springs. Oh, well, yeah, okay, here's our, our chapter on magic and how it works and the fringe paths and, you know positive 13 prime if you run into stuff that deals with magic you at least know it's out there so i would think yeah i don't think that they would prohibit information either group especially because that's that's a need to know basis and they need to know right well but the point here is is that um you know when when they came back and they said all right you know uh this this world have these restrictions. We can't use you know. Normally, we can go to a world. We can do whatever technology you want. But because these worlds have gods and the gods have a thing, we can't use electricity. We can't use um or like electronics. You can't use electricity if it's the lightning bolt kind. Uh, you can't use um explosives. Uh, but you can burn stuff. Okay. Uh, and uh, you. So stuff like that. They said, "What can what what technological solutions can you come up with?" And, and magic works. So uh, that would allow us, you know, as some kind of tactical advantage. Okay, and at, at which point they uh, said, "And and and by the way, you know, Colonel Shay Talbot, you know, you're from the the Edwardians. Uh, they're about the same technological level as the 1920s." Uh, are there steam airplanes? And the answer is, and the answer should be yes, because we had them on, on Earth Prime in the 1920s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember they were, they, were, they were experimental. Yeah. And they never came to anything because the reciprocating engine was just a much more efficient way of doing it. Okay. And the biggest problem was carrying the weight of the water. Yeah, which was fine on a track where you can carry tons of water, and, and, and it's no big deal. But in the air, that's a problem. But you know, they they had a couple of of you know uh, uh, 
experimental planes that definitely were using steam engines. They were blasting steam out and running the tur you know, running the the, the, the reciprocating uh, engine and, and the propeller and flying around like a bat out of hell for about fifteen minutes, and then they run out of water. Okay, so QN Bureau Thirteen. And the 13th pocket. As far as what? Just carrying in... I'm trying to get what you're getting at using the 13th pocket. Just to carry in more stuff. The water. Oh, the water. oh okay. Carry in the water. Carry in the fuel. Now you've got a plane, and possibly a really big plane, that can, using nothing but steam technology... Okay, no electricity, just you know, positive and negative you know, um, uh, feedback with um, uh, pressure valves and... And, and other things, uh, is now able to fly, a plane can now fly. It doesn't weigh, it weighs less now because all the water, except the ones that are in the preheating tank, you know, uh, uh, boilers. Yeah. Okay. It's all in the, it is all in the 13th pocket and you can now fly literally all day long, all night long. These things can fly forever depending upon the size of the, of the amount of water you got in the 13th pocket. Yeah. And you, and you can also put the fuel in there also. You know, to keep the boilers going. So it really comes down to how long before you need maintenance on these things. Can these things keep flying? Now you've got something that is can can fly rings around these dirigibles. Yeah, that's and one of the main reasons why dirigibles didn't really last. Because once the airplane came, it's like, yeah, you have air travel, but these airplanes are a lot more agile. And yeah, well, they used to. I mean, uh, they used to have a certain capability of uh, landing, you know, basically grabbing planes and pulling them in and, and, and you know, like if they, if they were like people sent messages and stuff, you know, there, there was some, but there wasn't like an aircraft carrier kind of concept uh, like we, we, we have on the water. But, you know, these, uh, uh, these people have do have access to certain materials that are, weren't available in the, in the 1940s and earlier, so... Uh, and they have been on the fringe paths for a while, so they could have, you know, access to tumeller and plastics. They could have access to even uh, carbon fiber. Yeah. Uh, you know, be, which isn't that hard to get to, considering where they're already in the fifties. Uh, and they've been on the fringe paths for a while, so they've run into. And I'll just, I'll just let out of the bag. Uh, one of the things that they were able to get their hand steal away from the from the players was they got a Tamalaran construction device that's actually able to take, create whatever they need. And they're literally ma making these airships out of carbon fiber and nano and nanomaterials because all they have to do is design it in the, in the device and the device will make it. They just have to understand enough to tell the device what they want. Oh, boy. <clears throat> yeah. So they don't understand how, like, you know, adamantite's made or anything like that. They might be able to get even smaller. But like I said, they, I'm sure that some of their worlds probably have some, they probably run into some queller so they can get, you know, like, so they can get plastic sheets and bars and, and various materials that are made out of melon plastic, which, which are not necessarily really, they're very, very tough. They're only, they're only light in the sense that, you know, if you make it thin enough. But, uh, I'm just saying. What was it? Is and plastic, is that the stuff that, um, as long as it's warm, it'll stay hard. When it gets cold, no. that's when it gets pliable. That's putty. That's tumelor putty. Okay. Tumelor plastic is just basically it's a plastic, but it's so much tougher. It's as tough as our steel. Oh, okay. And of course, tumelor steel is is yeah unbelievably tough. 
you know, and I and I tried to explain them. The only the only real the only real use of tamalin steel is to protect you from really really hazardous type environments like flying close to a sun, yeah, okay, or uh, because it's degenerative matter, and it says, but it doesn't mean it's light, okay, and uh, it's just really really. Most of the time, people are very happy to use tamalin steel. I mean, plastic because the queller can just squirt it out. I mean, they just make it. You know, and so they can do that. Uh, so they have some, they, so, but they have this construction device that uh, they got from the players, uh, and they're they're using it to make their airships. So they have that going for them, uh, which they didn't be previously. So they need they need to be able to come at them with uh, a technological superiority in some regards. And I think that using this steam engine plane concept. Is prob uh, is probably with the thirteenth pocket is probably a really good solution, and uh, right now they're using um, uh, guns that fire using um, uh, air pressure. Okay, yeah, they're basically compressed air guns, which are are limited because they are only gonna you know they only have about the penetration of like a twenty twenty two caliber shell. Yeah, but still, you got to remember once gunpowder came into being. The era of the armored knight was over. Right, you had the you know the mar uh, with the arquebus and the the flintlock and the matchlock and the and there was a German name I forget the other type of gun. Before you started getting into revolvers, all that pre-revolver technology is what ended the the era of the armored knight because a bullet can go through. Uh, the way I do it in in my games for OGL is if you're using any type of ballistic damage against archaic armor you half the armor value, or if you use armor as damage reduction, you half that. So let's say you have plus nine armor bonus on full plate, it's four. Now, unless you magically augment the armor, i.e. make it plus one plate mail, which would make it a ten armor bonus, then you'd get the full DR10, and most bullets would bounce off. So, yeah, it, it just... Still a compressed air gun. If it's firing with the force of a twenty-two, yeah, you're still. Let's see if you use well, Pathfinder. You know they do things differently now. One d six damage, right? Or two d four for the old three o three five. I don't know how Savage Worlds does their guns, but yeah, twenty-two would just be a low damage firearm. Yeah, but it could also be an automatic weapon. Yeah, and then you have several of those bullets coming at you. Yes, right, right. So I mean, it, I'm saying it's, it's it's still a big jump up. You know, the the big the biggest thing that the uh, that the Coptics are bringing to the table is the fact is that it's they're in the 1950s. They understand what a production line is. They know what they've got manufacturing standards. Every gun isn't a work of art that's made by an artisan, and it takes years to make. No, they, they got crank, mass production, right? They yeah, they can crank these things out and just throw them into the arms of. Uh, uh, of, 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 a, of a cobalt suddenly a, a, a half hit die cobalt uh, is firing uh, a weapon that can take down a, a, a first and second level fighter yeah so it's a that's that's one of the reasons why they got to act quickly because uh, it's not because these guys are just gonna keep they they have the, they they have the same limitation that that earth prime does they don't they don't have that many Fringeworthy, but everybody that they find is fringeworthy, and they 
they press into service. Yes, they they forcibly constrict any and all fringeworthy that they find. Yes, right. So when I, I said that uh, way way back, I estimated that there were about there were about maybe five thousand active fringeworthy, but there was really like fifty thousand fringeworthy. Just they were either too old, too young, or they didn't want to do it. You know, yeah, or they just, or they, or they just never been found. You know. Uh, so only 10% of them were actually active explorers in, in, in the late campaign. Well, you can imagine that the, uh, uh, the Coptics are, you know, they, they have a much higher, they, they won't have a 10 times fold, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had three to four times fold number, and those people are going to be soldiers. Yeah. You know, now they are still, again, they, they, it's, they're in, this is a campaign. They're, they're enlarging, you know, they're, they're having the same problem that, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that the Romans had, which was, yeah, you can march into an area, you can take it, but can you hold it? Yeah. And, wh- and what are you going to do afterwards? You need those soldiers to go on and take the next area. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until someone gets strong enough to push back and you're stopped? Or, you know, are you going to do something else? So that's one of the things that they're running into is, is that, you know, they, uh, they can draw for a short period of time a large, a very large, uh, well, in comparison to what IDET thinks, a very large um, fighting force, but they can't keep them on planet. So they have to rely on uh, raising up a native, uh, native uh, Coptics. Native believers, yeah, that will that will carry on the faith and will uh, t- uh, toe the party line, and because and 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 give them, you know, what they need in order to continue to uh, take over the planet. Okay, um, now as far as you saying, oh, they're going to go to other worlds via spell jamming and try to go to Kryn. Well, remember, to get from Kryn to Toro, you still have to go through gray space, okay. Orth. Now, allies can be picked up there, too. Because of the Radiant Triangle, it's more of a V, because there is no direct phlogiston path between Toral and Kryn. You have to go through gray space if you're going to do the spell jamming. Now, there are three cities that have spell jamming access, let's say. Of course, the free city of Greyhawk, you can just land on the Selentan River and float into um, the harbor. Also, the city just to the west of Greyhawk, Divers, also has heavy spell jamming access. And there's a third city down far to the south and west. Now, there is no sea. It is a landlocked city, Iron Gate. I believe it's down in the Scarlet Brotherhood area. So if you have ships that can land on land, like they have landing pads that, you know, you can lower and there's fields all outside Iron Gate and, well, shipwrights who can do like minor repairs to ships, you could gain access to Orth aid to bring back to Toral to help out against the Coptics. So you don't have just Kryn to deal with. You also have the people in the world of Greyhawk who could off you know if your players parley correctly you know you could gain aid from them mm-hmm. so and let's see the and I also found the Toro gaming or the um well the two in Faerun are Waterdeep and Calimport uh Calimport would be a little closer than Waterdeep I mean they're both far to the west of 
Mulharan and the Orgrom Mountains. What was the second one called? Kalimport. C-A-L-I-M port. Well, remember, what, once they get there, the Red Wizards can teleport them to where they need them. It would be a little harder to teleport. Uh, I mean, they'd only be able to teleport one plane at a time. But, yeah. yeah. Well, well the, But still, it could be done. Yeah, but the good thing about the spell jamming access is that all of this that is happening, it's in western Faerun, southwestern Faerun. Waterdeep and Kalimport are on the eastern coasts, or on the western coast. All this stuff is happening in Eastern Faerun. Excuse me. If you land with like a spell jamming fleet and, you know, you're coming in that area, you know, the experienced spell jammers are going, okay, if we come in from behind, like we're landing in Calumport, we can come in from the west and just get them from behind. That's that pincer attack that you were talking about. Because, yeah, you're going to have the Red Wizards of Thay over here in the east, you know, with their magical defenses and everything. But here comes all these allies that your players can hopefully bring from the West and just come right up behind the Coptics and their forces. And, you know, and hopefully, as I said, if they play their cards right, they can get people from Kryn and they can get people from Orth as well. Because, I mean, they can just go through the Crystal Sphere and just, okay, we're going to go from one end of the Crystal Sphere to the other and just go out that portal and head. But a lot of because air is finite. I mean, yeah, the spell jammer helm produces the area that allows air and gravity, but a lot of time on planets, they will stop, and even if they just skim the atmosphere to get more air and then head back out again, they'll still stop for supplies. Because I think it may be like a week or two in between each sphere that they're sailing through the phlogiston. So they're going to want to stop for supplies and rest and, you know, shore leave a little bit. And in that time, your players coming from Kryn could stop off and say, well, wait a minute, could we get more people to come with us and follow us back to, you know, Toral? And it might be a chance for them to role play a little bit more and try to gain some more, um, more aid. And just let them know, okay, you need to talk to our captain who's ferrying us and follow him. We're heading to... Because remember, and... And I told Bruce this earlier, most people on Orth, they know of spell jamming. It's common knowledge. But unless you live near Iron Gate, Greyhawk, or Divers, it's like, yeah, ships come from other places out of the sky and land at these cities. Well, gee, let's see. I'm an orc in the Pomarge. How does that affect me? Oh, it doesn't. It's just, it's a fact of life, but unless you're directly involved, it's out of sight, out of mind. So... Spell jamming on Orth, it would be really good to get allies there because you have people a lot more uh, conversant with extra planar travel via spell jamming. And since they are sailing ships, the people who are spell jammers, they were sailors first, more than likely, which means they have naval experience, which would come in handy in a battle, especially one that's either sea or air. So I would think Orth would be a good place for them to gain more allies. Okay, so let me make sure I understand you. It's going to take a week to get to the gray space and then another week to get from the gray space to, to, to Toro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so a minimum of two weeks. And, but if they go to like another one of those crystal spheres, isn't it then going to be, okay, that would be like another week after that. 
and then another week going back into the gray space, and then it just seems like, yeah, you can go these other places, but it's basically multiplying the travel time by each sphere, but you know, by each sphere you go to. So one is, you know, going to, going one to one is going to be two weeks, but going making a stop on the way is going to add at least another. Two weeks, if not three weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's they might end up wanting to. I'm trying to. Not that I'm saying they shouldn't do that. No, no, no. I'm. It's certainly to their benefit to get as many high level uh, adventurers and heroes to help them. You know, stop the Coptics as they can. But uh, you know, because the Coptics, you know, I mean, we we know the effect of having a hero. <laughs> I mean, they have tons and tons of hit points. And uh, they 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 all they're all going to have uh, bennies, and they're all going to be rolling. They're all gonna, because we're using the hero system. They're all going to be rolling uh, hero dice and and all that good stuff. And some of them are going to have um, regular magical powers, and some of them may have some weird science powers from uh, you know other from from the 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 uh, Savage World system. So it all all depends on what you're doing. Right now, the way I've been running it is, is that everybody on the world is using regular D&D types spell use, and the players are using the Savage Worlds magic system. Oh, so that means it's like, oh, yeah, and your cat... Wait a minute, how did you do that? Yeah, I kind of did that when I was um having my Robotech After Dark Day. Yeah, yeah, we're using the Palladium spell system, and now you're in OGL, and that means you kind of have to relearn magic because they don't cast the same... So there was a, a bit of a grace period or a learning period, learning curve that our spellcasters in that campaign had to do because, well, the rules are different. You actually yeah. have to use not only just speaking, you also have to do some finger wiggling and have material components. Right. Well, how long is that going to take? Well, I, I gave a time and, you know. Mostly what, what their problem is is that, um, is, is that they have to do enough damage you know, to to affect them. You know, yeah. Most of the time, they, they what they were, I was just using real simple rules because they were going against non-heroes. So if you could get past the toughness of the ogre or orc or whatever it was, then pretty much you were going to be guaranteed to give them a wound and, and they would drop. You know, it was just mostly the, the toughness made all the difference. But if you start casting, like, um, spells like, you know, mind spells and things like that. Well, now you've got people who have magic spells that give them bonuses or even immunities to this kind of stuff, which is also one of the reasons to use uh, to use undead because undead are, generally speaking, immune to mental-type effects, which are the biggest liability that the, this cross between heroes and D&D would have. Yeah. Because, believe me, they're, 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 they were... They were wanting to use uh, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm like, well, fine, you know, if that's what you have. But mostly it's like when you're doing damage, you just got to get past their protections. And uh, if you can, then, uh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna drop. Uh, even, you know, but when they have 100 hit points, you know, so in most cases, like I say, if you got a character with 100 hit points, well, that's going to translate into a higher level of toughness. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just going to be armor class. You know, their armor is equivalent to like chainmail. No, it's going to be much higher than that. So now they're having to 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 do 20 and 30 points of damage before they can even hurt some of these higher level monsters. Yeah, they haven't really dealt with that at all. They haven't. They haven't even attempted to try to attack a. Uh, uh, a red dragon. That's going to be a nightmare for them. They're going to be like, I, 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 they have one, they have one attack that might be really effective. 
one of the characters has a um, he has a monofilament. Oh, okay, yeah. So basically, it acts like a sword of sharpness. He attacks. There's a chance he could cut off an arm, a leg, a neck. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, he even used that against one of the god, one of the creatures the god sent to spank them when they started using explosive devices like guns. Uh, he just basically ran up and and jumped and basically cut it through the guy's waist and just the guy fell in two pieces. And uh, you know, and then and they all they all ran through the portal and they says, okay, let's try another portal. So they go through another portal and about fifteen seconds later. 30 of these guys show up. <laughs> okay, now now use now try using your attack. Okay, you might get a couple. <laughs> but the rest of them are going to eat, uh, eat you for lunch. I'm actually looking here. Oh, wow, it's a lot more than I thought. Okay. Torald Orth. Of course, that's yeah, from uh, I'm seeing anywhere from 130 days plus or minus 10. Basically anywhere from 118 to 212 days. So this is months. Mm. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, so... I mean, if they take that long, they're going to they're gonna come out and they're going to find that, that at least the immediate country has been, has been pacified. Yeah. So it sounds like they might need to go and seek out some high-powered wizards on these worlds instead and see if they can get a gate spell to work for them. Yeah, I am actually now on... Okay, I told you about how... The D&D worlds all now have fan si- fan-driven sites. Yeah. Okay, the one for Greyhawk is run by none other Eric than Eric Mona, as in pretty much the head of Paizo. It's probably going to be weeks, at least, to travel the Flodiston. Yeah, it gets you to other worlds. It's not meant to be obvious. If you want to travel these other worlds quick, your best bet for them would be to find someone with access to... Plane shift and or gate. Okay. Those high level dimension breaching spells. Okay. Then that brings us back to Bureau Thirteen. What do you think about the possibility of using the uh, either the quick gate or a real gate spell? Oh, these are the ones from like the original ninety two game. Oh wow. Right. Well, I th- isn't the quick gate kind of the no-no one because you're bringing in forces you really shouldn't be yeah you're basically summoning a demon and asking him to take conduct you through hell to the destination you're trying to get to yeah and it's breaching dimensions and it's even out of your cosmology which they're going to want literally an arm and a leg um the full gate spell isn't that angels i don't think so but it takes a really powerful mage to do it yeah then and it it, it, and it would lack and unless you had a really powerful mage who's a PC, uh, you wouldn't be able. Uh, the biggest limitation there is is that you wouldn't be able to um, get all those people you want to take through those heroes. And yeah, stuff you want to take through unless somebody wrote it as a uh, and created a magic item or created a scroll that could be read by a local wizard uh, of appropriate level. And be able to cast that to be able to take you where you want to go. I would think that at this case, then the the bureau might want to open up access to spell libraries to let the players go or give them, hey, look, here's okay, here are magical experts, and you need to talk to them. Yeah, but like I said, is that, you know since most of those ma- most of those magical experts are would not be fringe worthy then that means that if you're going to try to bring them to uh, to Dragonlance, uh, to Corinne, you're going to have to freeze them and then resuscitate them yeah. on that world. So that's a, that's a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> Considering that, uh, 
you know, even even with the the the, the Tamalern, um dock boxes, I'm not sure how well they do resuscitation. Well, I mean, a dock box, I think, can pretty much. I mean, if you you know, could resuscitate somebody from dead if they've been dead for a couple minutes, it could resuscitate them. Yeah, but see, this this is somebody who's been cryogenically frozen. It's a whole different level of stuff. Well, see, you know, now if they got their hands on one of those dock boxes, I mean, I mean, uh, dock units that's in, let's say, the uh, incursion commonwealth, those things can bring somebody back from the dead if they've been dead up to a week. Oh, like their auto, like the auto dock. The auto docks. Yeah, so they would have no trouble handling somebody who'd be cryogenically frozen. Yeah, the Enchanty Med Tech, yeah, it would be... Assuming, of course, that it would work on... On, on Corinne. Would that work on Corinne? Uh, Corinne, see again, it's personal preference. The highest level of tech that they have are, are the, are the steam tech of the gnomes. Other yeah. than that, they're all Renaissance level tech at best. Right. I would say no. The dock boxes would work because it's, it's the Mellon tech, which means it's going to work. It's all biotech. Tech. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to work anywhere. You know, well, I don't consider dock boxes to be biotech, but the still point is, is that it's anything that the Mellons make at that level pretty much, you know, is works in any reality. Well, the, I, I say the same thing, but it's because the Termellerns mastered... But remember, they, they only used hard tech. Oh, we're doing biotech. We're going up through to... Oh, we've hit a stop. Okay, we'll make a hard tech workaround. And we're back using biotech. Oh, we've hit another stop, another hard tech workaround. That's how I see the Termellern are. They only use right. hard tech when they have to. All of their stuff is... They are gods of biotech. They're, I, I, hear, I hear you, but see, this is a device that's supposed to be useful across... Any reality. Well, yeah, and, and, if as, it, and, if, and as a result, I think that maybe they went with hard tech for because of the fact that it was going to have to be in so many different realities. Well, that's why I would say biotech then, because basically they grew this device to act as a ultra modern, high tech medical kit. It's a living thing, so I mean, I would see that's how it would work in all realities. That's okay. just my take. Yeah. All right, I, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, okay. I, I just, I just, whenever I think, when I think of, a, of it, I mean, yes, I mean, I'm currently, you know, the 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 bed kits are coming from a, a creature that grows them out of its body. Yeah. And 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 reproduces itself to grow more med kits, so they're geom, they're, they're increasing geometrically uh, in the Commonwealth as time goes on. So, you know, you, your argument that they, you know, how, how can they grow them if they're not, you know, living? So it has some weight. Okay. Anyways, uh, but it's, I'm saying is that that still means we're limited to what, whatever I consider possible with a, um, with a dock box. So, you know, is a dock box going to be able to resuscitate somebody from cryogenic free storage? Or not? I, I would that, think so. I would think that both the Termellern and the Enshani would be able to do that okay. because they work on on stuff on the molecular level. I mean, it, yeah, it just I would think that both of them would work. Uh, for the days when I could just simply fire off an email to Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we extrapolate from what we learned from him. That's that's how we're doing now. Well, it always came down to what. It, well, yeah, yeah. Remember, it, we were the Tritech brain trust. So yeah, yeah. But he he was he was the you know the the definitive the definitive answer yeah um so, so yeah i would think bureau 13 they would sit there and well it's like if they're learning you know first of all i think that somebody would be chewing them out for you let the you let the coptics have what after that reaming would be done <laughs> yeah. yes oh yes because they knew this character had this device and 
they he, he actually took it, he actually took it with him you know into Coptic space and didn't try to hide it or anything like that actually he did try to hide it it was inside of a secret pocket inside of some clothing like they like they weren't going to look for secret right, pockets right you know when they captured him so uh, yeah it was but he's got another one now which is uh, it, it it's another Tamelron device and it uh, it produces any element that he wants in, 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 in fairly prodigious quantities. He can produce about uh, two pounds of, of material a minute. Well, that would mean then that's things like, well, gold is an element. So, yeah, he could sit there and, yeah, he could really destabilize a market, just walk in and say, yeah, here. I yeah, he can, yeah it's, and so is plutonium. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't, I mean, putting aside the explosive possibilities, because, of course, you're not allowed to do that, it's a tremendous toxin. Yeah. So if they, and of course, IDET would have to basically, I mean, IDET doesn't have to buy into it. They don't have to tell IDET about it. Well, yeah. A lot, well, remember, <laughs> IDETs are made to be rather autonomous and... Um, yeah. But I'm saying the, the IDA does need to know that they're planning on basically creating dirty bombs or, or just basically creating dirty dust to 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 spill all over the, uh, you know, the, the Coptic forces and uh, just eliminate them. Because uh, the Coptics themselves, uh, as far as I know, had no trouble using poison gas and other things like that. Oh, no, no, no. Geneva Convention, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, that never happened. So I'm trying to think, yeah, Bureau 13 would probably sit there and say, okay, so they're using, you know, they have, they're allying with local monsters, you guys, and they would want a full breakdown of the power centers and alliances that they know of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that they can give them, though they never got, as you say, they never got to the, even the middle of, of the map. <laughs> they, they're all, they're all, they're all on the East Coast. On the, or not even coast, but the Eastern side of it. Yeah. But they even then, just, okay, all the, the allies and alliances, because if you're making allies with these people, you got to know who their enemies are. Because if they see a new power center starting to form, oh, they're allying with these people and they have strange ideas and clothing. And they're, you know, saying, well, you could try doing this with your spell. We want to know about them. So, yeah, I mean, I would think that your players started gaining, a, with how long they've been there, a knowledge of the local politics. Yeah, well, they've done a little bit, but not that much. Uh, mostly, one of the characters has, has, has managed to create an alliance with one of the gods, um, and uh, is doing his, uh, who was supposed to be dead, by the way, uh, 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 Joachim, and uh, but turns out that she is alive, and so he's been trying to reestablish the religion every place he goes. Okay, got it. Yeah, and and he has he's not he's not a cleric of Joachim. He's more of a uh, he's more of a paladin of Joachim. Even then, yeah. even then, still. Yeah, so he's got that. That's that's their ace in the hole on this world that they're they're trying to work with. You know, of course, I and you know, and I keep saying, well, you know, you gotta base, you gotta basically uh, operate within what she cares about. Yes. You know, so if you can find something that she really cares about, and uh, and say, and 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 if we do this, then you know, it's bad for the it's bad for the Coptics, good for you, and you know, then. Maybe mostly what they've been doing is making sure that everybody who makes agreements with them, all the agreements are ironclad because you know they're always being sanctified by the you know uh, by their relationship to Joaquin, who's a, a a goddess of trade. 
and making and making good deals. All right. Now I got to look this up because I have the Forgotten Realms book. Joaquin, here we go. Lesser goddess known as the Merchant's Friend. Symbol: right. gold coins. Joaquin's profile facing left. Alignment neutral. Portfolio: trade, money, wealth. Domains: knowledge, protection, travel, trade. Favored weapon: cloud of coins or the nunchaku. Relatively young, vibrant, vivacious deity. Church is wealthy because not because it hoards money, because it invests wisely and uses its wealth to gain popularity, power, and renown. Clerics travel the world aiding merchants and working with temple money lenders. That's the way it was before she supposedly died. And now they're Joaquin disappeared disappeared during the time of troubles, which caused much confusion among her faithful. She reappeared in thirteen seventy one DR after she was freed from imprisonment. Has been had been held in a mortal form against her will in the abyss by the demon lord Grazd. She has since revitalized and reassured her worshippers of her existence and her restored divine power. She is allied with Laira, who held her portfolio while she was in prison, Gond, whose invention she appreciates, and Shondakul, whose portfolio complements hers. Right. Okay, so Joaquin, your player who has a... She is a paladin of Joaquin, who knows Gond. If you can somehow have them ally with the Lantanese gnomes and humans... There's your tech, because then you get all these tech-savvy people dealing with the Lantanese gnomes. Yeah, there's your chocolate and peanut butter right there, just because, just, you know, it's, come on, it's like divine networking. <laughs> well, unfortunately, they haven't done any of that. Um, they don't know, they, 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 they have, they have one, basically what happened was, is that the, the high priest of, of Joaquin, you know, that they ran into, it was basically just keeping the flame alive and keeping the books alive. He basically made a deal with the Red Wizards to allow this, you know, in exchange for money being spent on the church and keeping the church going, he allowed them to put some, you know, illusionary script into the deal and basically screw the deal in their favor. Joaquin shows up and basically burns them to a crisp. Like gods his, do, yeah. Right, but see, the problem is the next guy in line, his... his, uh, his Disciple was basically a very low-level cleric, yeah, and has now been is now having to put on the mantle of you know the the high priest who without the levels, and he's been studying and 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 trying his very best to 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 represent Joachim, and uh, they haven't asked him any questions. He's mostly been just trying to to get the church going, get the word out, reestablish you know. Re- you know, bring in new acolytes. You know, get them trained in the basics, so we can send them out to re to set up at least a shrine in each of the major cities. And so, mostly they they they've been just kind of ignoring all that. The the player characters. Well, so, um, maybe have a have a yeah. knowledge religion or knowledge deities or whatever it would be for Savage Worlds. A check saying, okay, Joaquin, what are they about? What other gods do they know in the path? And oh, one about technology. Could try yeah. that. No, it just yeah. when when you said that the high priest was burned to a crisp and now the low level guy is running the show, I'm reminded of the mummy with um Rick and Benny. Uh-huh. Love Benny. Yeah. Or bang and he looks at Rick, you just got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that that as soon as you had said that. Yep. That's exactly what happened. He got promoted. So, you know. But yeah, so I would I, you could go that route, because if this guy's a paladin of Joaquin, he has to know of the background of his god in order to be able to be of a level of faith and knowledge in Joaquin 
to gain the Paladin abilities. So I would say have him look back into, okay, Joaquin and basically what I'm calling divine networking. Oh, wait a minute. She knows a tech god? Oh, and they're over in Lantan? Oh, well, you know, they might help us with tech, you know, get at least better weapons or better devices or, you know. Yeah, they're mostly just relying on the Red Wizards for all that. You're right. It's, it's uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Just as a longtime person of knowing about D&D and it's like, Wow, better to be seated at the right hand of the devil than <laughs> just. Oh, I wow. know, I know. It's it's funny because they have they have this guy with them who's you know who they've never actually seen in the flesh because he's always been covered up with the robes, you know. And uh, and and the matter of fact is that they they don't know that half the time they're talking to another guy, you know, because they just come in and replace each other and they and they all get together and trade notes and stuff. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like Kosh on Babylon 5. We are all, we are all Kosh. <laughs> so, anyways, um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it would be nice if they did that. Um, and certainly, uh, they, they could certainly, you know, get some good use out of, uh, they could find out where the, the, um, where the gods are going to get mad at them, too. Because that's one of their problems is they're like, well, how far can we go? What can, you know, what, what will the gods allow? We know they don't allow explosives. But they allow all kinds of magical explosives. Then that's that would be another reason to find out. Okay, well, the gods run technology. How and and the advancement of science and technology. That would be another way to find out about Gond and your paladin might be like. Oh, wait a minute! My my the the goddess I serve is a friend of this one, and go that route. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely agree that he should be doing that. This might be the little. Make a religion check, you know, and let them roll and give it to them, you know, that hint that way, you know, just... Yeah. No, I, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, of course, he probably, he's, he's, even though he's been going up, you know, he's, he's gotten lots of advances, he's never spent any on knowledge, religion, local religion. Hmm. <laughs> so, of course not. I know they, they always put him into, like, fighting, you know, let me, let me increase my, uh, you know, my, my, my combat, they're all combat monsters, which is, you know, yeah. which I always just roll and I, my and eyes I'm, And I'm not, and I'm not bad-mouthing your group at all. No, I, all, all players are like that. Well, know? I mean, just a, after a while, you're, you're going to need to learn to adapt as a player. It's like, you're playing combat mod. After a while, if only in the course of the game, you need, you can't, just bash everything to get what needs to be done. There are times that you need to do diplomacy. There are times that you need to do legwork and research. And even if you're the guy with the M60, you still need to realize, okay, how to shoot, how and what to shoot effectively, which you can't just point fire. So it's like, I would figure after a while, especially with all the intricate different cultures and politics and alliances and the gods coming in, that this group would be like, okay, we need to start realizing where all the, the, the tendrils of this these webs go. So it, it just, yeah, it, your, your paladin, it, it's a suggestion from a fellow GM of yours. It's like you might want to start doing the divine networking just to see and yep. kind of Gond. Yeah, he, he's pretty much the one putting it because he came, he came to Earth or he came to Toral like in human form and then on, crashed from the sky on the shore of Lantan. And because the gnomes basically nursed him back to health while he was stuck in this mortal form, he gave them, he was like Hephaestus to the humans in Greece. Just gave, uh, here, here's technology, here's science, use it, thank you, you know. So, yeah, he's the guy that kind of controls the level of tech on 
and uh, there's also another god of knowledge. I want to say Ogma or something like that. But yeah, between the god of knowledge and Gond is where that's why technology and science is at a certain level on Toro. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, I could look up the other god, but I know there was a god of knowledge and he and Gond are like, you know, thick as thieves. As far as dragging and bringing other cultures from other D&D worlds in, the spell jamming is good. Problem is it takes weeks to months to get to between each world, and you have to go through gray space to get to between the two others. I would suggest that they start doing just magical transport, plane shift and gate, and just go that route, because... If you go to Kryn, I mean, I, I mean, there are several eras that you can go. It's just everybody knows the era of the War of the Lance, which is like 348 to 352 AC after Cataclysm. So it's like a four-year arc. Now, as I said, Spelljammer.org has the revised timeline between Toral, Orth, Kryn, and the Spelljammer timeline. Go to that site and look up the timeline. And if, you know, for you players out there that want to, you know, link these worlds and, you know, referring to the past episodes we've done on this, if you want to know, okay, what event is, okay, well, I'm gaming here in Kryn during the War of the Lands. What now is happening on Toral? What now is happening on Orth? That page on spelljammer.org has all that stuff lined up. And this guy did a lot of work. And I know, and, and trust me, if you know who I am and what I've done for Rich, combining timelines is not an easy thing to do. I had to do it for Bureau 13 OGL, and it was it was probably one of the hardest things I had to do in my work for that. <laughs> this guy get like major props for because he's having to pull from like a bunch of Dragonlance books, a bunch of Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, the comic books that DC put out for those three realms, all of the Spelljammer stuff. He probably had 30 or 40 different sources. He had to all coalesce into one cohesive timeline. I had five. So, but yeah, if you want to sit there and combine all these worlds into coherent places for you to go for your fringe travelers, that timeline will help immensely keep everything straight. So, Bureau 13, I think, would probably have, because they do, they have high-level ages, and I mean, if they can't give the stuff directly... They could at least advise the IDET team on how to go about getting it. Okay, based on the laws of magic and how things work, try these things and see if, you know, they can, you might be able to, you know, gain passage that way. Because a lot of people, if they want to go extra dimensional, they're still going to try to get hire a wizard because they know, yeah, maybe a little more expensive than booking passage on a spell jamming ship, but it'll get, a, get there a lot quicker. It won't take weeks to months. It'll be a minute. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just seeing that I knew it would take a while. I just didn't know how long until I looked at that one forum. And that's when it's like, yeah, we might want to try the gate spell. <laughs> or the plane shift spell. Or, you know, because a scroll, let's see, plane shift I think is a fifth level. Ninth level. Minimum. Uh, wizard spell level, fifth. Oh, heck, 1,125 gold pieces. Because plane shift is a... Fifth level cleric spell, I believe. Yeah, eleven hundred twenty-five. Uh, well, no, that's the base cost. The market cost would be twice that, so twenty-two fifty, two thousand two hundred fifty gold pieces to get a plane ship spell. That's not really a problem because they've got that um, that Tamelan device that produces two 
two two pounds of, of platinum a minute. Yeah, and platinum is ten times worth of gold, so yeah. And I believe it's 50 coins equal a pound. Yeah. So we're seeing how this goes. Just yeah, give it a second. It's, it's burping on another lump of platinum. Be patient. Go have a cup of coffee or something. You know. But yeah, I'm thinking just at this point, just get a scroll. And because you have a guy, hopefully this paladin of Joaquin has something equivalent to use magic device and could read a magic scroll. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, because if so, then his utility will become a lot more when he realize. oh, wait a minute, I can perform magic in some small way, and I know where we need to go. Everybody hold hands, link arms with me while I read the scroll, and yeah. Because, well, plain, well, gate is more exact, but it's a ninth level spell. Plane shift, you do have that, you can be up to 500 miles away, but at least you'll be on the plane. That's the one thing about plane shift I don't like. Yeah, you get to the right plane, but it's like... Yeah, not only that, but if you're doing it multiple times, each group is going to be separated from each other. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why. The gate spell, it's going to be even more expensive, but it's a 20-foot portal and you can walk whole armies through, you know? Right. So right. let me let me real quick, just because... Okay, ninth spell, 3825, 50, 7,650 gold pieces. Okay, that, that Termellern uh, element creator might be working a little overtime, but it could do it. Because a gate spell is a ninth level spell, and... And it lasts up to a minute. Uh, duration instantaneous or concentration up to one round per level. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. Uh, minimum caster for ninth level would be 17th. 17 rounds, that's not quite two minutes. I'm sure you get a lot through if, you're, if you have your ducks in a row. Double time, march. Hop, 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 yeah. It could be done. Yeah, I could see they could get, you know, a small, well-grouped army together. Yeah. Or, you know, some powerful beings together and walk them through. Yeah. They're just going to need some money and knowledge where to get a gate, couple gate spells. Because they right. need one to get back. I mean, it'd probably be helpful. Well, the Red Wizards could provide the, the, the you know, a gate between here and um, and, and, and Kyren. The only question is, is that do they... You know, have any of these guys ever been to Karen? That, you know, well, the Red Wizards, if anyone was to go to Karen, I think they would have the knowledge and the, again, div they would divine. It's like, okay, information. This is what we know about Karen. And just, it'd be a knowledge planes check and just they go to their libraries and check to see if they've heard about this world and go from there and then start divining and scrying and seeing what they can learn. So they, I mean, there's probably going to, Excuse me, have to be a resident NPC to do a lot of the magical stuff. Yeah. But yeah, get them to and from, have him have a couple of gate spell, uh, gate scrolls ready and just, okay, go, we get, you know, get this and come back. Yeah. So yeah, it, it could be done. I mean, yeah, it's going to have to be, I think the players are going to have to realize, okay, we've got high level mages that we've allied ourselves with. What do we need done? It can't be done with magic. If so, they're going to sit there because I know the Red Wizards are going to benefit from beating the Coptics, because they don't want that they they don't want that Coptic action going on. The Red Wizards of Thay have their empire locked down. They're starting to go across Faerun. Red Wizards are seen as far as like water deep. Oh yeah. So you think they want these guys coming in with all the No, 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 no. That's that, No, no, no. <laughs> they're gonna be like, well yeah, we have a what the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So oh here come these guys from another dimension. The Coptics are here. They need our help, you know, stopping them. 
Because if they don't, they're going to horn in on our action. And, you know, these guys are useful once in a while, if only for a laugh. We won't laugh at them. We'll laugh behind their backs. But, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll fight them and we'll bring our full force to bear and show them we're not people to be screwed with. There is a reason why in this world people are afraid of us. It's time to let the word get out. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to do without taking away too much of the spotlight away from the player characters. Yeah, I mean, you, you might throw in the NPC hook just to get them that and then give them the idea and then let them... No, I'll, I'll let them get the idea and then they'll plan on how they want to do it and then I just provide the Red Wizards with the glue to make it all happen. All right. Yeah, you, you did say that these guys are all, except for the... As I said, the, the Paladin of Joaquin has the beginnings of... And I'm not saying combat monsters are bad. Before any of you players come in and start blowing up our fan page, combat monsters have their place. There are certain times, though, as I said, that you can't just go in and stick a sword in something or shoot something. There are times that you need those who deal with things outside the realm, or you need finesse, or you need, you know... Yeah, I mean, Friendly has always been a thinking person's game. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. this this Paladin of Joaquin, hopefully they're going to start realizing that, you know, what what what's the old phrase? There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. But yeah, after a while, this Paladin will realize, wait a minute, there are things above and below us and around that if the Coptics are using that and they've got their higher forces dealing with them, maybe I, I need to, you know, pray a little more and see what I can pull up. Yeah, well, you might say... Uh, uh, this is what I've seen that the Coptics have, you know, the children of God have. Is is there nothing that you would, not, uh, you know, that you can, you know, what can you grant to me to to display your glory by th- by thwarting them? Yes, and, and and let the goddess be generous. See, that's the thing. If this goddess is making her way back into the world, that paladin is going to be the the herald, the 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 banner bearer. He is, and it's like okay. Now, back from a tour away from Faroon, the one, the only, Joaquin, and just boom. You know, it's that, that Thor from Infinity War type entrance for her. And he's the guy, he's the MC. <laughs> just be like, okay, yeah, she operates through me. And just, yeah, it's like, you guys want to bring your god? I've got mine. <laughs> Let's dance. You know, <laughs> You know, it's all like, my guy's bearing your god. You know, that type of thing. As I said, now that you have a paladin in the group, outside of the normal combat box, options are now quite available. And as I said, a knowledge of the local politics and whatnot of Toral would be a wonderful thing for them to start reviewing. And, okay, what alliances are here? What alliances are up there in, in the, up in the ether with these peop- with these beings? And try to outmaneuver the Coptics, quote-unquote, politically, and see where that gets them. And just hopefully, as I said, if Joaquin realizes, wait a minute, these guys are a threat to me and my friends. No. <laughs> okay, you're going to be my agent on this earth and on this planet. This is what you're going to do to give them the boot. Yeah, I, I can see that this could really be, we're talking, endgame level battle. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to finish up this campaign. So uh, I'd like it to become as epic as, as possible. Because these guys are supposed to be legendary level characters. Okay, as I said, as soon as you said the one was a paladin, I was like, okay, I can see this going a lot of ways then. Yeah. Okay, alright. As we've done in the previous episodes with adding Fringeworthy to the various D&D realms, Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, Eberron, and Galarian, we have shown that 
there are other ways that can make because these go across about a hundred or no 90 nodes and there are ways that you can do various shortcuts that really are just like hacks for getting across the fringe paths using these five interconnected worlds and having them as sort of you can either do it spell jam or crystal spheres and we have posted the map of all five worlds in relation to each other and i do believe it's on the on our podbean page or we can put it in the fans page either way or you can do it and again spelljammer.org what they call the far space method where the only reason why the crystal spheres exist is because that's what everybody believes as soon as you sit there and force yourself to believe no there's no sphere you pass through and it's normal space the phlogiston is gone. Either model that you use, you can find ways to make hacks to severely jump past having to go on the fringe paths and not only just cut down travel time tremendously, but also gain new allies as you are finding out about new power centers inside and outside of the new commonwealth in the Fringeworthy game during the late campaign. If you would like to, you know, even know more about this massive thought experiment that we've been going on now. Oh God, how have we been doing this system, this series now? Year and a half? Two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this has been going on and, and and Bruce took my ideas and ran with it and I'm using it in my own game. So yeah, we've, you know, GOTF tested and approved here. We're putting our money where, uh, uh, where the mouth is. Yeah. yeah. Walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah, again, yeah. With, our, with, our levels that, that of our, with our levels of experience, we're not going to sit there and give you guys ideas unless we know that they're going to work that they are viable if you you listeners there via podbean during off your feeds via itunes if you have any questions about this massive thought experiment that we've had going on with adding fringe worthy to established D &D worlds please contact us via the podbean site tritechsystems.podbean.com we are on facebook fans of the gaming on the frontier podcast Contact us via iTunes if comments left. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We love that because that that just keeps us going and ends up being a symbiotic relationship between listener and podcaster. And let us know if you guys try this, if you want to know any other information. As I said, my gaming books for those worlds are full of just printouts of all the stuff from spelljammer.org, dlnexus.com, all of this stuff. And Bruce and I will be more than happy to answer your questions on this to help you guys bring more awesome into this hobby that we all love and adore and just crave to do at least, you know, once a week. Three, three times in my case. Yeah, as I said, I got the Thursday, Saturday, and the alternating Friday, Sunday. I'm always gaming every yeah. week, yeah. All, alternate, alternating uh, Sundays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, yeah, see? So, yeah, we, we, we put our time in, and that also means we spend a lot of time planning this stuff out. So we make sure that our ideas, when they finally hit the table and are exposed to the players, that... You know, we've got this stuff down. We do our research into whatever worlds that we have that we're using to make sure that the awesome is brought to the game. So, as I said, contact us via those various forums. We'll get back to you as soon as we get your feedback, and we will hit you back with an answer ASAP. And there will be more for you all next week. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. 
No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.